0: Good morning, everybody, and uh, somebody said it wasn't Happy New Year still, but uh, hey, it's still Happy New Year, isn't it? Come on. (laughs) Uh, Welcome back to our second week of the year and also our second sermon in the series we're calling Focus. Last week, we started to lay this foundation of our focus, what we're centering our attention on when we talked about our thoughts Uh, Are our thoughts positive or are they negative? Paul talks seriously about the things that we're thinking about and the importance of aligning our thoughts with the thoughts of Christ. That's what we talked about last week. Today, in week two, we're going to be speaking about what our eyes are focused on. Because out of all the things that tend to make us lose focus within us, our eyes often go first. And uh, I'm going to share a story that is really embarrassing, (laughs) but I believe in full disclosure, okay? Uh, I also need to say something in setting this up, uh, just sort of so that you'll be a little easier on me after services, okay? I I never had anyone take me hunting when I was a kid. Uh, My dad was gone by the time I was five or six years old. Uh, so I never had any, anyone that taught me how to use a weapon. I I never had a gun, and I was never taught proper gun safety. Uh, so take it easy on me when this is over, okay? I always had a respect for those who knew how to do those things, though. So uh, again, don't be too harsh. After you hear what I'm going to tell you. So uh, I was an associate minister of the Macedonia Church for seven years. That church is in Williamston, which is in Martin County. And uh, do we have any Martin County people in here? Raise your hand if you're from Martin County. Oh, okay, there's some Martin County people, okay. Yeah, all right. So if you're from Martin County, you know that Martin County is a hunting community, right? I mean, that's a hunting community. Uh, Now, uh, just about every boy grows up knowing how to shoot and how to hunt. So one hunting season Now, again, at Macedonia, Dolan Baker was the preacher, and his sons were Dwayne and Doug. And at hunting season, they would always go. Now, Dolan, he had a slew of hunting dogs. I mean, those old beagle hounds are back there, and they would always use those dogs in hunting. And uh, so all of those guys were hunters. They had uh, multiple guns, and one hunting season, Dwayne invited me to go. I felt like I was in the in crowd, right? Uh, now, let me say again, I had never been hunting before, and I don't believe I had ever shot a gun before. Okay, disaster coming, right? Uh, now, to be fair to Dwayne, I did not volunteer that information Because it was probably a little embarrassing to me that I had never done this before. But I was so excited to be able to go and hang out with the guys and, you know, do what they, they always talked about how hunting was the greatest thing on the planet. And uh, so as we're riding in his truck on the way to the hunt, uh, he, he had loaned me his shotgun. And, you know, I'm sitting there and the shotgun, the barrel of the gun is towards the floorboard. And somewhere along the way, I don't know how it happened, but the barrel of that shotgun was actually on my toes, on my right foot, okay? Yeah, some of y'all, y'all, y'all see, that's not a good idea. This is not a good idea. So when we pull up to where, you know, we're going to go out in this field, we're going to go over here, they're going to be hunting, we see a deer in the back of the field. And I'm so excited I go to grab that shotgun and jump out. Now, I'm not thinking safety, right? I wasn't focused on where my hands were or where the gun was or anything. I was focused on getting out of that truck as fast as I could and getting over there and getting a shot off at this deer. And you probably guessed what happened. As I lifted up that gun, my finger hit that trigger. And I blew a hole in in the floorboard of Dwayne's truck (laughs) just moments before it had been resting on my foot. I mean, it could have been a a tragic accident, but instead it was just a humiliating mistake. And I'm admitting to it today in front of everybody, okay? I've never told this story publicly. (laughs) Dwayne was probably much cooler about it than I would have been. I mean, He did say I cleaned off his axle, okay? I thought that was mighty nice. Um, It wasn't a new truck, by the way. Um, But I have never been hunting again. I've never been invited to go hunting again. (laughs) And probably for good reason. (laughs) I'll tell fishing stories later. But uh, if I had only stayed focused, the situation could have turned out much better, Maybe if I'd been focused on the right things, I might have had a much better experience. I I guess I probably should have gone out and had some practice beforehand too. But like most of us, we can either be focused on the wrong things or we can lose our focus on the right thing. We can be so focused on the problems or the challenges or the obstacles in front of us that we fail to see what we really need to see. We lose focus on what is important, and then we can lose our way. So today, I want us to look at a story in Scripture where one of Jesus' disciples chose to really focus on Jesus and see what is possible when we really focus on Jesus Ultimately, as believers, wouldn't you say that our focus needs to be on Christ? Would y'all agree with me on that? When, When Peter focused on Jesus, he was able to do something incredible. However, when he lost his focus on Jesus, he began to fail. And I think that is an example in our lives as well. So if you have your Bible with you, or if you want to follow along on our screen, or if you're on Version Live, you can go to Matthew chapter 14. We're going to read that in just a moment, verses 22 through 33. But the big idea for the message today is this, that by focusing on Christ, we can overcome our fears and distractions and doubts, and we can do remarkable things. Friends, that is a powerful truth that if you will live out this year, this year is going to be an awesome year for you and I. Now, this is the lesson we learn when we read in Matthew 14 about a truly amazing event. So let's begin reading in verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get out into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now, earlier in that passage, we see that Jesus had asked the disciples to get into the boat and go across the lake. He he just finished feeding thousands of people. He had poured himself out in teaching these people. And now he needed some time to focus. Some time away from the crowd. Some time away from, you know, the disciples and all the stuff that went on with that. Some time to be alone with God. So the disciples did as Jesus told them to do. They got in the boat. They started paddling across the lake. Jesus went up on the mountainside and that's where he was praying. And then the storm came up. I mean, heavy winds buffeting the boat. Uh, It was hard for them to row across that lake because of those winds and the waves. Now, there's a lot of fear within the disciples because Jesus is nowhere to be found. Jesus was up on the mountain. They left him there. And so what are they going to do without Jesus? However, when Jesus finally did come back onto the scene, instead of their fear being released, their fear increased. So read in verse 25 with me. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to him, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. So the disciples, they, they see something coming to them. What would you think, right? They see something coming to them on the lake. They think it's a ghost. In reality, it's Jesus. And once he started to speak, first thing he says is, don't, don't worry, guys. Don't be afraid, it's me. I believe that when it comes to focusing completely on Christ... There are three things that tend to destroy our focus. Our minds begin to look away from Jesus and look to that thing that we fear. So the first thing, to destroy our focus on Jesus, if you're thinking ahead, you're right if you thought fear. Fear can cause us to lose our focus on Jesus. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been so afraid of a situation, so afraid of what could be, that you lose your focus on who is? Jesus addressed the immediate reaction of the disciples by pointing out their fear. And one reason for their fear was simply their lack of understanding of Jesus' power and His presence. They look around the boat when the storm hit, they couldn't see Jesus there. However, when he does appear walking on the water, they don't think it's him. They, they think it's some scary ghost. So they're already afraid of the storm. Now their fear is compounded by seeing what they think is the spirit. Now, as we think about it today, we may judge them and think, oh man, they, they should have known that was Jesus. <laughs> However, as far as we know, they had never seen Jesus walk on water before. Right? This this is a first. In fact, I don't think they even conceived of the possibility of someone walking on water. So don't be too hard on them. Just like, please don't be too hard on me, okay? In fact, maybe we should see some of ourselves in them wouldn't we have reacted in much the same way? Uh, Have you been there before? Have you been in a situation for a long time you were focused on Christ with no issues, no bumps in the road, but then a storm hits, the wind's buffeting, things aren't as easy as they used to be. It's a little harder to focus on Jesus, right? Maybe with the struggles of the past couple of years, you can empathize with them. I mean, pre-COVID, we didn't have to worry about masks and vaccinations and all of that stuff. All the cultural upheaval and turmoil that our whole country and world has been going through. You know, these things have caused a lot of people to lose their focus. And a lot of people have just quit going to church or quit trying to be involved in the, the faith community. Life was good. We didn't worry about things. We weren't anxious about things. We went to church. We did our thing. But then life changed. The storm hit. Often it becomes more difficult to see Jesus when we're in the midst of the storm. Are you with me? Now, in the Middle Ages, the sea route to India seemed impossible it was often discussed in great economic and political centers of Europe. How do, we, how do we get a better trade route to India? They used to wonder whether there would be a route around the bottom tip of Africa to that rich land of spices. Many had tried and failed. They had gone off and never come back. The tip of Africa had become known As the cape of storms. Most people were scared to death to go through that way. And then along comes a guy named Vasco da Gama. And he decided he was going to try again. But he succeeded where others had failed. And ever since he returned to Lisbon. It could never be doubted again that it could be done. He proved that to use that treacherous way wasn't inevitably disastrous. In fact, the Cape of Storms eventually became known as the Cape of Good Hope. Before De Gama, people were too afraid to try. But after him, that route became the more common route. Why? Because he proved it could be done. So much so that it changed its name to Cape of Good Hope. That's what trusting in Christ through our storms can do for us too. Yes, it's often difficult to focus on Him in the midst of the storm, whatever that storm may be. And fear can become so powerful in us. Fear can look many different ways in the middle of a storm. For some of us, the storm causes us to focus on our past, thinking we caused all this to happen to ourselves. For others, the storm causes us to look to our future, not knowing if we will ever even have one. But for Peter and the rest of the disciples, in the storm they were in, it caused anxiety and fear in that present moment, not knowing whether they would live or die. And friends, when faced with a storm, it is important to have made your decision Before you're faced with that situation, how will you react when the storm comes? Because it's not if the storm will come. Y'all get that, right? Happy New Year until the next storm comes. There's going to be a storm. There's going to be losses. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be conflicts. That storm is coming. How will you respond? Much of the anxiety and fear caused in this storm in Matthew 14 was due to the fact that the disciples did not know how they would respond when it came. We have to make the conscious decision to say, if and when a storm comes in my life, I already know I will choose to focus on Christ regardless of the pain it causes. However, you can see that even after the, we move past the initial fear, the next thing our, and our path that seeks to steal our focus away from Jesus are the many distractions in our lives. So distractions is that second thing that can cause us to lose our focus on Jesus. Now in Peter and the disciples' situation, the storm itself acted as a distraction and caused them to lose focus. It was the waves and the wind and the sounds of the natural violence that's taking place all around them. But then we go to verse 28 of our story. and Peter Peter never fails to give us a highlight, okay? Peter sees Jesus. He hears Jesus say, hey, "Don't worry, guys, it's me!" And he calls out to Jesus, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. I don't know what would make Peter say something like that. I mean, what what, what, would that be your first thought? (laughs) Like, come on, get in the boat, Lord. (laughs) No, I'll come to you, Lord. Tell me to come out. And Jesus said, come. Then Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came toward Jesus. And when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink cried out, Lord, save me. Now, first of all, go Peter on walking on the water, right? I mean, we're usually a little harsh with Peter. Man, he didn't keep his focus on Jesus, but he did walk on water. None of the other disciples got out of that boat, right? We often lose sight of the fact that he actually did have a moment of pure clarity where he trusted Jesus so much that he stepped out on water. But then common sense took over. And he realized what he was doing was impossible. It was impossible without Jesus. And there are many different distractions we face in our day-to-day lives because, friends, the truth is whenever the devil cannot destroy, he will distract. Even a few chapters earlier, in Matthew chapter 4, the devil used the same tactic with Jesus himself. After Jesus was baptized, now it's an interesting thing. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, and the Bible says he did that so that he would be tempted. It's interesting in itself that the Holy Spirit would lead Jesus to a place where he would be tempted. Why would the Spirit do this? Well, Jesus had to show His self-determination to overcome temptation. Yes, He could be tempted, but He had the willpower to overcome that temptation. Remember, Jesus was not just fully God. He was fully man too. And the Bible tells us He was tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet He did not sin. But during that time, Jesus had been fasting and praying. In fact, he did so for 40 days and 40 nights. It's hard for me to fast one day, and Jesus did it 40 days and 40 nights. Obviously, his body was craving food, and it was in that moment of craving that the tempter came. So we pick up the story in verse 3 of Matthew 4. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a high mountain, a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Now, Satan knew he was not able to destroy the Son of God. So he tried to distract him. He tried to distract him with food, with those natural cravings. There's nothing wrong with food, right? But Satan wanted Jesus to take his mind off of this spiritual journey he was on and focus on the physical. Stop praying to God. Stop, you know, this fast, you know, do this thing. Satan tried to distract Jesus with glory, especially when he tempted him in verse nine. He says, after showing all the kingdoms, he said, I'll give it all to you if you just worship me. See, this is what Satan wanted. He, He was trying to prevent what we see happen right before we learn about the storm in Matthew 14. The Bible says, Jesus went to pray to the father. And there are numerous occasions where we see this take place in Jesus' ministry. He would often get away from the crowd and get away from the disciples and spend some alone time with God, which, friends, every one of us should be thinking about. And just as Jesus' focus was on the Heavenly Father, He was trying to get the disciples as well as uh, we who are here today to focus on Jesus. So how has the devil been distracting you recently? Think about that. For Peter, the distractions were the wind and the waves. He already displayed faith in Jesus to get out of that boat and start walking, but then, I can't do this. Some of us here today are living life like Peter, but some of us are still stuck in the boat like the other disciples. What is keeping you there? Is it a fear of some kind? Is it a matter of not wanting to be rejected for doing something contrary to culture? Peter understood Jesus had the power to sustain him. If only he would choose to get out of that boat and start walking, and so he did. He trusted in Jesus that much. And then the distractions came because Peter took his eyes off of Jesus. It says, he looked and he saw the wind. How do you see the wind? Well, if you've seen it raining, when there's a strong wind, you can see the wind, right? I mean, the wind has taken that rain and you can follow it. And so Peter looked to his left and he looked to his right, rather than keeping his focus right on Jesus. And for some of us, the wind and the waves in our lives are maybe an unhealthy relationship. For others, it might be a website that we keep going to, trying to find some temporary satisfaction. However, in reality, it is distracting us from our true source. We end up sinking just as Peter did because where our eyes go, the rest of us will soon follow, right? The Bible says that Peter sank And he called out to Jesus to save him. You know, in the next few verses, beginning in verse 31, we read, Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. He said, You of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, we do have to recognize that Jesus didn't let him drown, right? (laughs) Jesus isn't like rebuking him like he's a horrible person. Yes, he lost his focus, but Jesus didn't abandon him because of it. And friends, Jesus is not going to abandon you when you lose focus. He wants you to get refocused on him. So if you've had failures in the past, Listen, you can get refocused on Jesus. And I think it's also important to recognize that even though Jesus rebuked him as one who had little faith, we can say that at least he had little faith. No one else jumped out of that boat. No one else had that amount of faith. But after pulling him up out of the water, Jesus called out the third reason why we may find ourselves losing focus on Christ, and that is doubt. Doubt can cause us to lose our focus on Jesus. Peter had faith initially when he stepped out of that boat and started walking on the water. He took one, two, maybe three steps. I mean, he was doing it. I wonder if Jesus was like, uh, we are with our little children or grandchildren. Now, uh, we, we celebrated McKenna's first birthday yesterday. We had a big-time party. I don't know where Alyssa's going with these parties, but my goodness, this was number one. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's like something I would have done at 16. Woo! We're in trouble. We're in trouble. That's all I can say. But it was a great celebration. For her first birthday. Now, she started, you know, pulling herself up. You know, she wants to see everything and she's getting to where she can sort of stand on her own for a couple of seconds, you know. And, uh, so, you know, every time she does something that, like that, you know what well, we're doing? Way to go, McKenna! Yeah! Way to go! Come on, girl! We're clapping for her and she's smiling, you know. We're trying to encourage her. Those first steps are so important you got to believe that you can do it again. And every move in that direction, she is cheered on. I wonder if Jesus was saying to himself, Yay, Peter! Yes, man! One more step! Come on, man! You can do it! You're doing it! Come on! And then, bam! Just like McKenna. But when Peter realized that he was actually doing this, He was walking on water in the middle of a lake in a storm. He doubted. (laughs) He was questioning whether or not Jesus could actually be his sustenance in the storm. And I think we can all empathize with Peter because we all do the same thing, don't we? Or we think the same way. Maybe today you are here and you have some of those same questions Same doubts. God, are you really in the middle of all of this? God, can you really help me get through this? I mean, sometimes it feels like we're being tossed by winds and waves. That's what doubt does. It makes us feel like we're being tossed by winds and waves. And the scripture warns us, hey, listen, don't doubt like those who don't believe. You know, you need to have faith. Maybe you're distracted by the trouble that you see around and it's leading to fear and doubt in your mind. Maybe you're thinking, it's not possible. I can't do this. I can't succeed at this. Well, long, long before Jesus comes into the scene in the New Testament, the Bible actually promised in Psalm 46:1, God is our refuge and strength. Always ready to help in times of trouble. Whatever trouble you're going through, God has already promised He's not going to abandon you, that He's going to help you get through it. In Peter's scenario, Jesus was close to him, but Peter only noticed the waves and the wind around him. And I wonder if we lose our focus on Christ simply because we're convinced by our situation that Jesus is nowhere to be found. We're looking so much at the problems that we can't see Jesus. Is our doubt about Jesus or is it about ourselves? You know, Peter trusted as long as he was looking at Jesus, but without Jesus on his own, he knew this is impossible. Does it seem impossible to you that you can get your life right with God? After so many failures, after so many mistakes, after so many times of letting yourself down, letting others down, letting God down, are you thinking this is just impossible? Listen, God can help you do the impossible. Does it seem impossible that you can change? Does it seem impossible that you can work through your problems in your relationship? If you're doing it without Jesus, friends, I want to tell you it is impossible. But with Jesus and with God, what do we believe? All things are possible. Your sin can be forgiven. You may have convinced yourself that it was so bad, there's no way that a holy God could ever forgive you. You're wrong. That's why Jesus came. Your heart can be changed. Life can be different if you focus on Jesus. You have to work through your doubts. And you have to look. And focus on Him. You may doubt this is possible. You may not believe it could happen. But again, with God, what is possible? Here's a story to illustrate that. Let me ask you, now some of you can't see this, but this is a red paper clip. I've got a little uh, thing right here. This, This is a red paper clip, okay, in my hand. Now, what do you think that red paperclip is worth? Do you think that red paperclip could buy a house for me? (laughs) Sounds impossible, right? Let me tell you a story about a red paperclip. One red paperclip. Stuck in a dead-end job and strapped for money, Kyle McDonald came up with an impossible plan Starting with one red paper clip, he would trade on the internet until he exchanged it for a house. Impossible? So first of all, he traded his red paper clip for a fish-shaped pen. This was July the 14th, 2005. He traded that fish-shaped pen for a hand-sculpted doorknob the same day. He traded that doorknob for a Coleman stove on July the 25th. On September the 24th, he traded that Coleman stove for a Honda generator. And then he went way out on November the 16th. He traded that Honda generator for an instant party. That's what it was called, a Budweiser sign and a keg of beer. Then on December the 8th, he traded that instant party for a snowmobile. Somebody wanted a party, right? And then he traded that snowmobile for a two person trip to Yak, Boston, uh, Boston, uh, British Columbia. Yak. Who would want to go to Yak? Somebody wanted to go because they traded him for it. Then he traded that trip for a box truck on January the 7th, 2006. He traded that box truck for a recording contract on February the 22nd, 2006. And then on April the 11th, he traded that recording contract for a year's rent in Phoenix on April the 26th. He traded that year's rent in Phoenix for an afternoon with Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper? Really? Well, then he traded that afternoon with Alice Cooper for a Kiss snow globe. Yeah, the rock group, Kiss. He traded a time with Alice Cooper for a Kiss snow globe on May the 26th, but here's where everything turns. Who would have known that Corbin Bernson, the actor, collected snow globes? And Corbin Bernson traded a role in a movie he was directing for that kiss snow globe. And then someone traded. For that role, a two story farmhouse in Saskatchewan (laughs) in July the 5th, 2006. True story of Kyle McDonald. He wrote a book about it, One Red Paperclip. And eventually, I guess that will be made into a movie, right? Fame, fortune, a book, a movie deal, a home, and it all began with one little red paperclip. Who would have believed it? Kyle MacDonald believed it. Sounds incredible, doesn't it? But I believe our Christian faith is like that little red paper clip. Jesus said if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, we would be able to move mountains. And apparently Peter's little faith was enough for him To walk on water. And yet Jesus says. If we have that much faith. Nothing will be impossible for you. Peter was able to do the impossible. When he focused on Jesus. And when we focus on Jesus. We can overcome those fears. Those distractions. Those doubts. And then we can do. What seems impossible father i am so tempted to focus on the things around me rather than focus on you and i'm sure if that's how it is with me that's how it is with my friends i know that you are my true guidance in this world and therefore father you come you deserve my complete focus Help me to look up rather than look down. And allow you to guide my every step. Father, I pray for each person here today, especially our church leaders, that we might live by faith. Your word tells us the righteous will live by faith. And when our faith is focused on Jesus, you have promised us that we can do incredible things. So I pray that our faith and our focus will bring you glory and honor in our life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.